another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I am your host as always, Jeremy, here to try to make the world seem a little more normal. Are we going to accomplish that tonight? Maybe. But as always, I have a guest to help me do that. My guest tonight, and I apologize in advance for my butcher's last name because yikes, but my guest tonight is Brandon Schecksnyder. That's pretty and... good, Jeremy. Thank you. You're Schecksnyder. <laughs> You're right. Hey, I did it. You got to remember the A is silent. But, oh, kind of. But how are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you on. I took a look at your podcast, and it seems very interesting. And we're definitely going to get into that in a little bit. Yeah. But as always, there are two questions I ask every guest in this show. The first being, what got you into the paranormal, supernatural, spiritual world? Right. Well, I grew up in New Orleans, so... It was almost just, you know, by way of being down there for sure. But honestly, what, what got me into it the most is, you know, growing up down there, I had parents who were just avid genealogists, right? And this was back before the internet, back before Ancestry.com, back before you could do research online, right? So what they did is they drug their kids to cemeteries up and down the Mississippi River all the time to take pictures, you know. To get <laughs> so I pretty much had a childhood in cemeteries. Uh, you know, you combine that with some of those New Orleans legends, man, and it just, I couldn't not be into it in some way, shape, or form, I feel like. It was a pretty good melting pot there, you know? Yeah. Orle New Orleans is a very, very <laughs> hard spot not to become a lover of the supernatural in because it's just a, such a rich history of that that French, Haitian voodoo culture that just inspired that area. And oh, it's got everything. Today. Yeah. Yeah, everything literally, which we'll get to some of that later because that that leads me to some questions. But sure, but did you have any ex actual paranormal experiences living there? As I'm sure you had to have. I mean, it's I haven't though. That's the thing is I have spent my <sighs> all this time searching for a paranormal experience. Now, I mean, I have a couple things that I, that I feel like are very serendipitous and and very much um, the type of thing that uh, you know I, I feel like somebody's looking out for us type thing. You know, but. Um, man, I've been everywhere. I have been everywhere in search of a paranormal experience, man. I was just in Waverly Hills Sanatorium about two months ago, right before Christmas, went and uh, spent the night out there. I was there from midnight to 6 a.m. in the cold. Um, and, you know, it's supposed to be like one of the most haunted places. I'm supposed to see a shadow person, you know, and went completely hoping to have an experience and didn't at Waverly Hills, you know, and I've done all these different things like that and, and tried all these places. And I still yet have ever had the opportunity to have one on a personal level like that. Um, however, I do tell people, you know, I do feel like, you know, that that there are, um, you know, I'm a storyteller. That's that's what my podcast is. It's, it's what I like to do is, uh, you know, a storyteller. I, I do haunted tourism as, as a ghost tour guide um, in, in the current town where I live in, in Tennessee. And um I kind of feel like in a lot of ways, sometimes when I tell folks stories, uh, good things happen, right? It, it becomes this kind of, um, you know, just, uh, I, I say serendipitous, but I think they're looking out for us, you know, and there's, there's this one particular story that we started telling um, about, uh, you know, when we first, we first started the podcast, but it was five years. We started telling the story of this, this woman named Julia Brown from who lived right outside of New Orleans in this town of called the city of Frenier. And um, she supposedly was a voodoo practitioner and she lived out in the swamp outside of town in this little logging community out there. And um, we started telling her story because we, we learned it growing up and it hadn't been told a lot. 
And the few places it had been told, it was really, it made her seem evil. Okay. And, and yeah. here's the, here's the gist of the story. As they say that she's a voodoo practitioner and she lived out in this little swamp community and she, um, she eventually, she was kind of the midwife for this community. It's a very isolated community. You can only get to it by boat or by train. Uh, she was like the midwife, the healer, uh, did all these things, was a, was a, you know, person in the community that was very helpful to people. And at some point she supposedly, uh, just her relationship went sour with this community. She felt like she was being taken, taken advantage of. And it started going sour and folks around town, they say that she started to isolate herself at her house and people would go by and they would see her cabin out there and she'd be rocking on the front porch of her cabin, singing this song. When I die, I'm going to take the whole town with you. All right. And basically this foreboding ominous thing, right? When I die, I'm going to take the whole town with me. And, um, sure enough, she passes away. She was older at that point in time. I want to say she was somewhere around 65 to 75. Um, so I'm not sure why she passed away. This was back in 1915. She passes away. Two days later, they're having her funeral, and all of a sudden, this enormous hurricane comes through. All right, and this is the largest recorded hurricane prior to named hurricanes, you know, as we now have, right? Uh, so it was called the uh, the uh, Great Hurricane of the Indies back in 1950. 500 people died in southeast Louisiana this day while her funeral is going on, and the town of Frenier is utterly decimated just absolutely destroyed that town's destroyed people are people are drowning out there from the storm surge it's a total total incident it's all documented it's all happened we have julia brown on census records the hurricane we've got everything right all this research on her uh, but she became this evil voodoo practitioner after that and some tv shows started showing her as um you know this evil voodoo curse right and this is who she was so um, we became really interested in this woman because she lives out there. This is close to where we grew up. Very interested in Julia. And we decided to start doing research on her. And the more we told her story and the more we found out about her, about her as a person, we found these firsthand accounts of, of a woman who grew up down there and actually knew her and had met her and talking about how this woman was a beloved member of the community. And if she was practicing voodoo, if anything, she was warning the community. And we've just seen how this like this tale has warped to where not understanding this person, um, this person that was an integral part of this community, who's a beloved member of this community, has kind of become villainized in more modern interpretations of the story. And anyway, to, to get to the point of, you know, have I experienced the paranormal or not? Every time I tell this story, every time we've written about her, uh, published in a journal, the podcast, anything, something incredible always happens. Okay. For instance, my sister lives down in New Orleans still at this point in time. She works at the Louisiana State Museum. And we had a, she had just gotten published in a journal and she wrote about Julia Brown in this, this, this haunt, this paranormal journal. It was called The Feminine Macabre. It was all uh, female authors in the paranormal. And my sister had just gotten published in this journal um, and it just came out and it just so happened to be hurricane season. Well, sure enough, a hurricane came through New Orleans. I mean, not but a week after she gets published. Um, she stays home. It wasn't so bad uh, that the hurricane goes through. She kind of sits through the hurricane. She goes out in her backyard the next day and this giant tree branch. I mean, it must have been like that thick around, right? Was about a foot away from her bedroom, had fallen from this big Ooh. oak tree. 
you know? So, you know, we like to say, you know, Julia's watching out for us, right? And just we've had so many kind of eerie occurrences with, with Julia in that it just, sure. uh, we feel like some of these folks whose story we're trying to tell in a, in a very honest light, kind of, you know, looking out for us at times. So do I believe it? Absolutely. Have I experienced a ghost per se? Uh, you know, I haven't yet. Well, I'm going to say yet. A couple <laughs> things. Yeah. One. One, folks, this is why I cut down the big-ass tree in the back of my house, because I was scared of that exact same thing happening. Yeah. Because it's right next to my bedroom, and with my luck, it wouldn't land right on me. But, and, uh, second thing, well, the funny thing is, I'm, I've heard that story before. I, I didn't know her name off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I've heard that story before. I know I had to have. Yeah, it's and, been on a couple TV shows. It was it was on the Weather Channel, or the Weather Channel had something called American Supernatural, about 10 years ago and she was an evil practitioner then and uh, a more recent show atlas of cursed places which i believe is on on disney uh disney's oh, streaming I've, network now i have never uh, heard of that her. i've never yeah. heard of that show I'll, I'll have to check that one out definitely but anything disney does is usually done great but but and it's it, i love that you are big bad wolfing her kind of like you know how they uh put out a book like about the story from the three little pigs from big bad wolf side mm -hmm. Like, no, uh, no, I haven't heard that. No. Oh man, they used to read that to us when we were kids. Like, um, you mean the story of the Big Bad Wolf? Well, they they put out like they put out like a Three Little Pigs new version, but it's from the perspective of the Big Bad Wolf. Oh, and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. It, and it it makes him look like I'm just this dude going next door trying to find some eggs to make my uh, whatever the hell he's making pancakes or whatever, and. Like it, it basically devillainizes and makes like the pigs look like the villains in it because they're trying to hurt them for no reason. Like uh, it's so. I mean, I like that. I like that. That's what you're doing with Julia because it makes it because yeah. she probably she probably was, if anything, like a white witch. I mean, she probably just the same as a lot of Wiccans are today, just white witches who are trying to make their lives better and maybe some of their friends. But, but she was a real person. She absolutely. She's a real person. She, um, you know, lived down there with her kids and everything. You know, this was her home. This was absolutely her home down there. So, yeah. I mean, in those type of neighborhoods in the South, I mean, it's just you do one wrong, one wrong thing, and the gossip gets around, and you're labeled, <laughs> labeled as a bad person. I mean, yeah, it's not just the South; it's freaking everywhere in the United States. But it's just that's all it takes is one bad thing you do, and everybody finds out about it, even before social media was a thing, for God's sake. But so, I mean, yeah, well, and it's funny because you're like me. Until I moved into the house I live in now, my first house I bought, I never had any experiences either with anything. Like, I was always one of those ones, like you, who wanted to see something, but they say those who want to see don't see. Like, that's the thing I always was told as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. If you want to see these type of things, you're not going to see them. It's the people who don't want to see them that end up getting, the, are the ones who will see them. Yeah. But the house I live in now, as my listeners know, is haunted. I actually posted a video on TikTok uh, and Facebook a couple last week, I think it was, of uh, in my garage, we caught a ghost light or orb <laughs> floating around. And like I had, I had a couple of people, my friends being like, oh, that's a bug. I'm like, it's not no damn bug. You look at that thing going towards the camera it is a ball of light. It is not a bug. There's no wings. It's not moving that fast at that point. You can see the shape of it. I mean, it's just it's weird. I, and, and the sound that, I mean, I don't know if it's wind getting through somewhere in there, like, but the sound in the background is creepy as hell, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this, that's why I don't go in my garage at night by myself. But because the original owner of this house lives, is still living here. And 
apparently from the feelings my wife gets, he doesn't, he doesn't like us much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he killed our chickens for God's sake. He killed a lot of our chickens. Oh, we had wow. our, we, we had our chickens in the back of the garage and like a, it's basically set up as like a coop almost. I mean, we, all we had to do was put a door on it so the chickens can't get out and it's set up like a coop. But when they were in there, we had a bunch of chickens just all of a sudden they'd be flattened and we didn't find them all even until we cleaned it out after I spent two days cleaning out the freaking shreddings in there. And I would find like chicken carcasses, like underneath shreddings buried and uh-huh. the other chickens must've buried it or something, but, huh. and now they're in the shed and none of them are dying amazingly. So he didn't like him in the garage because he, as the paranormal investigators I had come to my house, tell me he doesn't think animals, be- he doesn't think chickens belong in the house because they're wild animals. Even though they weren't in the house, they were in the garage, but still. That was apparently his zone where he worked on his uh, antique car and everything. So he uh-huh. exacted his revenge on our damn birds. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's all good now, and he leaves us alone. I've had a couple mediums like tell me exactly on my show, like, be like, yeah, I sense, I sense his presence, like in the room with you or in, in the garage. Like, I could sense, I sense him. From this far away, I can sense him, like on the other side of the country. And I got him. I'm working with a couple people to try to get him cleaned down the house because I just want him. I want him to move on. I want him to be. I want him to be happy in the afterlife and move on. Totally. Go meet your, go, go meet your wife in heaven or yeah. whatever you believe. Whatever you believe is after this, after this. Go there. Like, leave my house alone. My house is the house is creepy with you in it. So, and you set my dogs off constantly. So, <laughs> but, so yeah, your your podcast, Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't sure if it was just a paranormal podcast or if you guys like touch on everything like Southern. I mean, it's anything that's kind of dark history and and haunted. And it's it's mostly um, I tell ghost stories, the majority of it, you know, nice. ghost stories. There's there's some old mysteries in there, some things like that, some old legends. Um, every now and then we'll get a little cryptid in there or something like that. But yeah. Well, I was going to say it's the damn South. You better get some cryptids in there. But and. Have you guys done Robert Johnson? No, I'm scared to do Robert Johnson. Really? <laughs> I I feel like the man deserves a, a very good, uh, you know, uh, he deserves a, a lot of respect and, and a lot of work. And, you know, it's such a, um, it's such a big story. It's, it's somebody that I just, you know, I've, I've always been kind of chicken that I wouldn't do a good enough justice to Robert, you know? It's somebody I grew up on. I originally I was in music for a long time, um, and so you know Robert Johnson's just, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a big deal for what I came up from. So yeah. Oh, true. That's right. Because I did want to get you my music podcast as well, but because you, your profile seems like you fit both. But yeah, well, it's I, I, the reason I thought of Robert Johnson right away is because we just did a urban legends uh, bracket on this show. Mm-hmm. That couple weeks ago and he was one of the urban legends on it that yeah. whole did he really set like the idea of did he sell his soul to the devil for music talent which yeah. i don't know i honestly never knew in my life which i've heard that story for since i was a kid but i never knew what side i, be, I believed in it like did he really or did he just practice and get good <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if i could find that that crossroads i'd certainly do it <laughs> uh, i mean if i can if Let's i can meet the devil Put it if, that I can way. Meet, if I can meet the devil at the crossroads, there's a lot of things I might ask for. But <laughs> put it that way. But yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of things in this life I would ask for if I had the chance for my soul. But 
But I would also ask for another 100 years of my life before he takes it. You know, just saying. Looking at you, Big Red. But you're so you're from New Orleans, so I gotta ask: Did uh-huh. you grow up? Did you grow up here in the legends of the Rougarou? Oh, the Rougarou! Yeah, yeah, we totally grew up on the Rougarou. I mean, that's what I mean. I, I grew up in the city, um, so it wasn't something that you know we're out in the middle of nowhere. But I mean, totally <laughs> the Rougarou. They have as a kid the Audubon Zoo. Right, we have our big zoo down there, and your your parents and grandparents and I'll take you to the zoo. And of course, there's a swamp exhibit at the zoo where there's all the alligators and stuff. And um, in the zoo, they actually have a big mock-up of the Rougarou. You know, so every child in New Orleans, whether or not you you have parents who grew up there hearing about the Rougarou or not, has seen this pic. You know, this image of the Rougarou. So, oh yeah, yeah, we have absolutely, uh, absolutely grew up on the Rougarou for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean. The Rougarou, or as it's more commonly known in the rest of America, the Dogman, is a worldwide phenomena that a lot of people believe in. And I've, I've actually had um, D.A. Roberts from the North American Dogman Patrol, NADP, I think it's Patrol, but I've actually I've had him on the show. And like he's act, he actually goes out looking in Michigan in that area for like Dogman and there, there, there are some scary stories he told about them. And I mean, I don't know. Do you think it's a possibility that dogmen exist? Like, do you think it's a, I mean, you know, I always thought of the Rougarou more as a werewolf vibe than the dogman. I always thought that he was, I thought he came more from like the French, the, the Labette, you know, the beast out there. Um, that's kind of how I always grew up hearing about it. You know, he's a, He's more of a shapeshifter, you know. the the whole The whole concept or idea is, you know, is one of two ways that you become a Rougarou, right? Um, it could just be that you uh, you uh, broke your Lenten promises, okay? Because it's a Catholic, you know, it's a Catholic piece of folklore yeah. there. That, or, um, or of course, you get bit by it. You know, you get bit by another Rougarou, and then you come out. So I always heard of it more of the the werewolf vibe, but you know, there's there's um, there's so many different ones down there too that kind of all. Or in that same vein, we also have like the Honey Island Swamp Monster down there, which Whoa. is uh, you know, right down the Gulf Coast, and you know, that's like, I mean, some people say it's like half alligator, half man, or you know, is there's, there's like twenty different interpretations of that one, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, see, that's the thing. It's when it comes to dogmen, like I literally hate the word werewolf because, like, uh-huh. to me, it's like someone took real encounters of dogmen and turned it into a Hollywood thing where. Oh, it changes on the full moon and right. silver bullets can kill it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people straight up tell me like that live dogman and breed dogman, like you can shoot a silver bullet at your at dogman all you want. you're just gonna piss it off and you're gonna die faster. Yeah. Well, you know, the 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 Honey Island Swamp Monster, I mean, that's considered to be an outright cryptid that way. But I mean, all the all the Rougarou folklore is, you know, is like shapeshifter, you know. Um, well, I mean it makes me think because you're the first person to tell me that and i'm sure i heard it somewhere before too as well but you're mm-hmm. the first person to tell me on the show and maybe that's i mean maybe there is both types of dog men maybe there's those who are in dog form 24 7 and they can't change back and forth and maybe there's the type that can change and that's where the lore of werewolves came from was the ones who can change because they would be the ones who would live normal lives during the day and then once a month they would go hairy at night and go crazy yeah, but it's possible, I guess. And 
I mean, in a world where I fully believe that dogmen exist, because I've heard so many stories of them that there's no way they don't exist. There's just no way. I mean, I've read so many encounters on the NADP website that, like, it's just, even if 90% of them are false, straight out lies, the 10% that are left are still terrifying enough to convince me. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I see it. I mean, it's just, but I mean, and the Honey Island Swamp Monster, though, I will say, I always thought that was a Bigfoot. You know, it's in that vein. I, who knows what it is, to be honest? Because, you know, I think at the same time, like the skunk ape down there in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I the, the stories around the Honey Island Swamp Monster, they remind me of, you know, the Popelick Monster up in Kentucky. Yep. It's a, like, it's, it's got a similar backstory, you know, like a, like a circus came through town type thing. And, you know, the, this creature got out, this sideshow creature got out. Um, but I, I don't know. I've never, I've never seen the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Um, oh, I mean, but it definitely, it definitely does have, give the Bigfoot vibes type for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole half alligator thing, I never heard that one though. That's kind of new to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, it's, there's some wild stuff down there in the swamps, all right? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure, I mean, there are, parts of those, there are parts of those swamps that probably have never been explored in the last hundred years. Sure, I, yeah. I, I guarantee it. I mean, if you go deep enough, there's stuff that hasn't been explored, and who knows what backwards creatures could be living in there still that never even got found, because no one was, even the colonials weren't crazy enough to venture that far in the swamps, because the gators and everything else that can kill you the snakes and everything else like i mean to to civilize new orleans before it became a col- before we when we when uh louisiana first became a colony like that must have been one of the most dangerous jobs in the freaking world to go down there and just deal with all these animals that want to kill you yeah That's yeah i mean well it's uh you know a lot of the folks that went down there you know, there's those cajun people down there you know they uh are kind of stuck doing it right because originally the people who colonized New Orleans and all, it was mostly, it was, um, French. It was the military. It's a French military. Yeah. And it was a lot of hunters and trappers. And that's really why they were there. It was meant to be, it was commerce, right? They weren't really trying to create a community. But man, when those Cajun people came down later, you know, they were just looking for land, right? You know, they'd gotten kicked out of Canada, sent back from France over here to Louisiana, and they just get shoved out in the swamp and they ain't never been in the swamp before. I can't imagine you know, what they put up with and they created this culture. And there's a lot of folklore because of that. You know, you ever heard of like La Fille Filet? Um, They're down there in the swamp as well. And that's kind of like a will of the wisp type type. Oh, okay. I'm like, thing, I know, you know, I'm like, I know the name, but I can't picture what it is. Like, I know. Yeah. The name. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's like a, a flame that shows up and they talk about, you know, it's this kind of trickster uh, that it, you'll be out in the swamp and you'll see this kind of will of the wisp type thing. And, but don't look at it too hard because it'll trick you into following it. And you'll start yeah. following it and you'll just follow it deeper and deeper into the swamp. And of course, you know, it's uh you're gonna get lost in the swamp and die, right? Oh, you're gonna be gator food, yeah. Yeah, gator food, exactly. I mean, there's a reason they've been alive since the dinosaurs. They you don't mess with a gator. I've spent enough, I spent a lot enough time in Florida as a kid that you don't mess with a gator. Like one one comes up on the canal, you stay away from that part of the canal for a while. But it's just oh, I mean the New Orleans backwood, like back swamps are just so like if you want I say if you want to make a man of yourself and truly prove you're tough, that's where you go. Cause there's nowhere in America that's tougher to deal with nature than there. 
then maybe I'll uh, yeah. Win. <laughs> yeah, those Cajun guys down there are certainly tough as nails for sure. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, maybe Alaska, maybe Alaska, the last wilderness, maybe that's just as bad. I don't know. Yeah. I've heard some stories about Bigfoots in Alaska that they like to kill humans. So, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, uh, but you said the public monster. Yeah. The, the public monster is a goat man by. Yeah, he's a goat time. man. Yeah, well, you know, his backstory, so he's out of Louisville, Kentucky, right? His backstory yeah. is that, you know, as they're crossing the Pope Lick on the Pope Lick trestle up there in Louisville, you know, there's this giant thunderstorm. Well, take it back a notch, right? Pope Lick monster, essentially, folks say that back in the 20s or the 30s or something, right, he was born, and as a baby, you know, he comes out of his mama, and he's got little hooves and horns, right? And his mom decides, well, I'm going to abandon him. You know, I can't. This is a devilish creature, right? And, of course, you know, a carny, was it a, gosh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but a carnival, you know, a carnival uh, picks him up, right? Makes him a sideshow creature, right? They lock him up and everything. He grows up as a goat man. Well, one day, as they're heading out of Louisville on the Pope Trestle, you know, a couple miles outside of Louisville, um, a giant storm happens. Lightning hits the train as they're going down. The train falls off the bridge right there in the public. And sure enough, he gets his freedom. He kills, you know, some of the folks there and he continues to live underneath the public bridge. You know um, what he is. It's a goat man, though. But the thing about the public monster that's interesting is he's also um, supposedly a, a voice shifter, right? Like he can mimic voices. He's voice mimicry. Yeah. Um, so according to the legend, it's that the public monster, he'll be up on the train trestle, right? And he'll mimic someone that you might know. So you'll come looking and you'll come out on the train tracks and this train will, you know, run you over essentially, right? And what's become so dangerous is that kids will do this, right? So um, when I actually went and visited Louisville and went there, there's a memorial down there from back in 2019. A young woman was killed on the train tracks up there. I remember that. Yeah. So it, it continues on. I mean, every... I mean, every, I mean, that one was back then. There was a couple of movie came out, um, maybe about 20 years ago. And right after the movie came out, some kids were killed up there. I mean, going up there and, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's almost this self-perpetuating myth of this, is this goat man there? But, um, it'll be interesting in a few years if you go out there because, uh, um, civilization is expanding further and further out of Louisville. And the next thing you know, it's no longer. I mean, it's not really farmland anymore like it once was, yeah. you know, because one of the theories was, of course, that um, a farmer had uh, relations with uh, one of his goats, of course. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard so many. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've heard of I heard of a guy who worked in a goat farm and was a mad scientist and wanted to splice his body together with a goat or he wanted to create like a goat human hybrid and. I mean, basically a more PG version of the story you just were. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, it's just, uh, I've heard so many variations of the public monster. I love the public monster, though. It's one of my favorite cryptids. Yeah, it's been around right. for a while. There's a really cheesy uh, documentary back in the day on it. Yeah, and Monster Quest definitely had an episode on it. So did Monsters and Mysteries in America. But uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Public uh, right after Dogman and like a Sasquatch, like public monsters, like my third pair of cryptid. But uh-huh. I mean, down the south there, though, you also you also got the frog man. You got the frogman. You got the lizard man of skateboard swamp. Like, yeah, oh like yeah, there's a whole ton of different ones for sure. I mean, the south is like the biggest area for different cryptids. In the north, it's either 
Oh, it's either Bigfoot. It's a Bigfoot. Yeah, that's all it ever is. It's a Bigfoot or a Dogman. There's right. no other like options really. But but let me ask you this: What is the vibe with like UFOs and aliens down there? Is it? Yeah. 100%? Do people tend to believe? Well, you know, I don't do. I don't cover a lot. I don't really cover UFOs. I mean, if, unless I, I don't. I don't normally do too much with UFOs, just because I didn't really. You know, I kind of stick to old ghost stories mostly, but you know, it's interesting. It's, it's still a part of it. You know, I think if you're really going to get, you know, obviously like Kentucky, you know, has, has its, uh, it's UFO stories, right. You know, and you got your, uh, uh, the Hopkinsville ghosts or the Hopkinsville and everything. And, uh, you know, I think most of those are going to be over in Texas, to be honest. I think you get a lot more out there if you consider that South or not. And so, you know, it's up to the Texas folks to decide. (laughs) Technically I consider it the South because it's literally the South, but yeah, Texans have their own mind and state of mind for everything. So yeah, (laughs) who knows there, but I mean, yeah, and I mean, you got the hops. You said it, the hops, uh, Hopkinsville goblins that were yeah. out in Kentucky, and they they did two documentaries on those. Um, yeah, and Benny and Barney Hill were down here. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, it's got it, but you know, like I said, I I, I don't cover a lot of. I don't really cut. You know, every now and then there'll be something like we just did an episode on the on the Brown Mountain Whites, right, out yeah. in North Carolina. You know, we kind of just you know take a nod to the fact that you know a lot of people talk about that could be you know, activity out there. And that's essentially, if you're not familiar with the right side of Nashville, um, not Nashville, I'm sorry, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, these Brown Mountain lights, it's this light phenomenon that's out over the Brown Mountain Ridge. And, you know, it kind of comes up at night and people have been talking about it for over a hundred years. You know, there's, there's things that were published back in the early 20th century and nobody's really known exactly what it is. They've had scientists come out, all these different stories surround it. And sometime maybe in the sixties or the seventies, you know, they of course started to discuss how we think that this phenomenon actually is extraterrestrial. That this is a national force. It's protected land. Nobody's living out there. We think this is a place that's come. And it's even a, it was an X Files episode, even you know, where where some folks Ooh. got you know uh, abducted from Brown Mountain, the Brown Mountain area. Yeah. Funny you mention that. Well, listeners, now's a good time to tell you. I have just started a Patreon. or not Patreon. A um subscription through Spotify for my for this podcast, Paranormal mm-hmm. Normal. And one of the gifts that my listeners are going to be getting is if you sign up for the subscription, which is only $2 a month, I want less than a cup of coffee at Dunks. Or, or way less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks, you want to put it that way. But you can listen to all this new content we're going to be doing, including more brackets and an X-Files watch-along show I'm going to be doing. <laughs> Because it's funny you said that, because I've been contemplating this for a few days, because I love the X-Files, and I wanted to do like a watch-along series for it, but I didn't want to do my own podcast for it. So I'm going to do it as paid content for this show to try to increase my audience base and, you know, try to pay my bills a little. <laughs> but other than, I mean, $2 a month, I don't think it's too much to ask. I ain't going to charge you no know, $5, $10 a month, because that's ridiculous. But I wouldn't, yeah. do that for, I wouldn't do that for a podcast. I'll stuff people to do it for me, but... Two bucks a month. I've done that for podcasts. <clears throat> Derek Hayes, Monsters Among Us, who's been on the show. But <laughs> oh, cool, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, so. But that was actually that. Was, sorry, that was just a good segue. I throw that in there. 
Yeah, first, I haven't announced that yet, so I wanted to announce uh, this isn't going to be released until March anyway. So by the time my listeners hear it, it'll already be out, but hopefully. But yeah, I mean, and Barney and Betty Hill happen in New Hampshire. Oh man, I'm backwards here. <laughs> Who am I thinking of in Mississippi? You see, I'm not a I'm not a big UFO in that realm. Like I said, I stick. I'm mostly ghost stories, you know. Well, let me ask you this. What's your favorite ghost story to come out of the South? Yeah. What's, what's my favorite, favorite one? What's your best, what's your ghost story you love the, covering the most besides the Julia? Well, that's not a ghost story really, but what's your right. favorite, what's the ghost story that you love, you loved covering the most and gave you the most thrill in doing? You know, what's wild is now that you're asking me that, I don't even know. <laughs> I know so many of them. I mean, gosh, you know, I, I love, I love, the bell witch because it's just so complicated and it's got she, just such a mess it's such a mess of a story um, she was in our urban legends bracket too yeah um she's definitely uh one of the ones um, i actually have up behind me up there i have a rock from the bell witch cave that we stole from the cave so if something bad happens on this podcast my apologies um, I was going to say, <laughs> isn't that bad luck? The total bad luck, you know, but I did it anyway. And uh, <laughs> nothing bad's happened yet. Um, I think, uh, you know, right now, the one that I'm investing the most time in at the moment is uh, is Lake Lanier. Uh, is supposedly it's cursed out there, you know, in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. And there's a ghost story associated with that of a woman in blue. Um, they had essentially two women, um, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Lake Lanier, but it's a man-made lake. I've okay. heard the name. I've heard the name. So it's, it's a, it's a lake. So it's a story that's kind of been getting really big lately. And a lot of shows have been covering it and, and starting to talk about it more, but essentially this, you know, back in the 1950s, you know, Atlanta's growing, uh, and the way that Georgia was kind of dealing with a lot of their growing cities is they needed aqueducts. They needed water for these cities. And Atlanta is just getting larger and larger. And essentially the army Corps of engineers came in and they dammed up the Chattahoochee river in order to make this immense lake right outside of Atlanta. Right. And in order to do that, they had to purchase land and they had to buy all this old farmland and, uh, and, you know, put together this lake. And of course, in the process of them doing that, they had to move cemeteries, right? Because you have all these cemeteries down there in the land and, you know, folks wanted all, you know, this is sacred land. We got to move all those bodies. Supposedly they did not do that. Okay. They did not, not move all of these cemeteries. And this is the story. And of course, today, if you talk to anybody about Lake Lanier, they consider it, it is, it is a haunted lake. It's cursed, you know, a lot of basically, I mean, I think last year it was something like 14 people died on Lake Lanier last year. Uh, and they, they consider it a curse this way. And of course, there's a lot of other things have happened on that land underneath. This is old Cherokee land. Um, there were burial mounds under there, which was sacred, sacred to the Cherokee people that are under the lake. Um, there's a city called Oscarville down there. A lot of people claim that part of the curse has to do with Oscarville. And, and what happened back in 1912 in Oscarville, there was actually a lynching down there. Um, a couple of men, a couple of black men were accused of a crime. Um, and the, they did not wait for a trial and they were hung and all of, all of the black residents of Forsyth County were run out of town in 1912. And so a lot of folks say that that might be part of the reason why Lake Lanier is cursed. And, um, over the years, it's just, like I said, it's a deadly lake. Over 700 people have died on Lake Lanier and people claim 
that there's a woman wearing blue who will appear out on the lake, who will appear on this one bridge or in different spots on the lake. Uh, and it's the ghost of a woman whose uh, car actually careened off of a bridge. These two women back in 1957, uh, Delia May Parker Young and Susie Roberts, uh, they were driving over a bridge and they came crashing off the bridge and nobody could find them. All right. And um, not too long later, a year later, uh, one of the girls, um, actually a, a fisherman found her, you know, uh, about a year later, but they couldn't identify her at that point. All right. But she was wearing a blue dress and didn't have hands. Okay. And this was the image of the woman who was crossing the bridge there. So then in about 1990, they actually found the car and found Susie Roberts. She was down there at the bottom of the lake in the car for I guess, what is that, over 30 years? Or no, yeah. it's not quite 30 years, 20-something years she was down there at the bottom of the lake. Uh, so folks claim to see these women still to this day. But um, I, I think that's one of those stories, Lake Lanier right now, the reason it interests me the most is a lot more people are starting to tell this story. I hadn't been around that long. And um, and it gets a little more complicated, a little more complex. And you know, you'll, you'll probably start seeing it on some of these TV shows here in the near future. So, Probably. Yeah. I mean, they always are looking for the next uh, cursed or haunted area that they can do shows on. But yeah, which, yeah, I mean, it's funny. That's kind of similar to the Bridgewater Triangle uh, stories right. of because like my wife originally lived on a house which is in the Bridgewater Triangle and the house that she lived in, which was originally bought by her grandfather in the in 90. Uh, he was the second owner of it. The first owners left really fast for unknown reasons, but the house my her grandfather later found out was built on Indian burial ground. Uh-huh. And I swear to God, this house is like something that freaking poltergeist. Like uh-huh. and it's in the Bridgewater Triangle to begin with, which is a huge area for paranormal everything. But the freaking house is haunted to the nines with different things, uh Native American spirits and possibly a Native American shaman, we believe. Uh-huh. In my wife, in my then girlfriend, now wife's room, if you tur- she refused to turn off the lights at night, and I asked her why, when like one of the first nights I stayed there, I'm like, well, how'd you turn off the light? Like, one of the lights, she's like, because if you turn off all the lights, you see this figure, the shadow on the ceiling, and you see three balls of light circling around in its hand. Huh. And I'm like, okay, leave the light on, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that'll do it. It will. And I mean, yeah. and I bought her a camera for her room to keep an eye on the kids and when she's not in there or whatever. And because she's always said, like, she thought she was abducted by aliens too. So I had a second motivation to buy the like, camera. But because ever since she was a kid, she believed she's been abducted by aliens because she would disappear in the middle of the night and her sister would be looking for her and everything because they shared a room. Mm-hmm. And her sister, her sister couldn't find her anywhere in the house. And she was too young at that point to like leave the house and go do something. Yeah. But but the one night she's the one morning she she messaged me when I was at work and she's like, I feel like I didn't sleep again last night. I wonder if something happened again. Ten minutes later, she looks at the camera footage from the night before. She lived in the second. She had a second floor bedroom, so and there's no way to get to the roof of outside her window easily. And there's this big shadowy black figure, like you can see it outside the window, walking towards the window, kind of, or coming towards the window. I don't know if it was walking, but coming towards the window, and then the camera goes staticky. Mm-hmm. which right there to me says extraterrestrial because 
what makes what can interfere with technology mm-hmm. aliens can anytime they want basically because they are masters of it all mm-hmm. so i mean just that whole area is just rich full of uh it's like it's a hot spot it's a, it's, a, it's one of the main triangles of the united states and of the world where paranormal activity is at the highest yeah just like the bermuda triangle just like uh, i'm trying to think of there's one down south but i can't think of it off the top of my head uh i know there's there's, there's the answer borrego in california the alaskan triangle i feel like there's one down south somewhere i just can't freaking think of it but but yeah i mean it's just crazy that's what that made me think of like that lake but but yeah i mean Man, that sounds interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that lake a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. But so let me ask you this: down sure. south, is there much talk of um, lake or sea monsters? You know, a couple of places I have them. Was it like uh, Lake Norman out there, North Carolina? You know, um, what is it? The I, you don't hear a lot though. The Altama Haha, isn't that what it is out in Georgia? Um, mm, sounds familiar. No, nah, there's not really a lot. You know. You know, most of the lakes around here are man-made. Um, you know, out here in Georgia and Tennessee and all. You know, it's all well, dammed up rivers. I mean, man-made lakes don't always necessitate that there's not a legend about a monster living in it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, even Lake Lanier itself, you know, supposedly has these giant catfish down there, right? So if you um, if you go, it's really eerie when you visit because, like I said, it was a dammed up river. It's Chattahoochee River, and they dammed it up. And um, if you go... And you go by and you walk out right to the dam right there and, and you look, you know, it's kind of like kind of pool over on the side here. Uh, this just kind of calm, peaceful lake. And you don't realize that this lake is actually what you're standing on the on the cusp of is something that's deeper than as tall as the Statue of Liberty. And it just drops right down because it's this damned up pool right here. And um, supposedly, uh, you know, about 20 or 30 years ago, they had to have divers go down there to service the dam service yeah. some of the gates and these divers came back up and said we're out of here man we saw catfish down there that are as big as a volkswagen you know so you know you hear stories like that now i'll tell you there's a big catfish in the down here anyway but um you know folks have talked about that for sure yeah yeah which i mean i was, I was gonna ask you like have they ever actually had someone go down there and like scuba dive this lake to like see how deep it really goes and like what's at the bottom Oh yeah. I mean, there've been people, it's got a little ghost town under there. You know, there's still some structures that never really got, got moved out. You know, they, they flooded a place where people were living. So there's a lot of, yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's still there's some t- stuff down there. There's still, you know, you can still go down there and see some old headstones, some cemeteries and stuff. Um, you know, some things of that nature, but uh, it's a pretty murky lake though. It's, it's kind of hard to see, I imagine. Yeah. It's, there's a town in New York that the same thing happened to. Yeah. In, in in Sullivan County, New York, where I went near where I went to college, there's a t- I forget the name of it, but um, there's a town and like there's a bridge that goes over it now where they flooded. Same story, they flooded to make a lake and or to make yeah to make a lake basically. And now there's a town right there. And on a nice summer day, if you go stand by the bridge, you can see a church underneath the water still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's still definitely, I know back in the, uh, oh gosh, I want to say it was 2008, the water level went super low and you could still see the, uh, there's an old Speedway grandstand that kind of started poking out of the water down there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy that they just drown towns basically. Like, Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of this land, it was, uh, 
you know, it was farmland. It was bottomland. You know, they they purchased as much. I mean, they purchased the land from people. Of course, it wasn't really the best prices or anything that they were purchasing the land. And a lot of people picked up their farms and barns and, you know, took the wood with them, things like that. Uh, you know, some historic sites were moved off there. There's like an old tavern uh, that got moved that was part of the Cherokee Nation. They moved that, you know, so they, they tried. They did a certain amount, but I mean, it was impossible to do everything. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and you're and you're not gonna pick up a stone church and try to move it like that's right. not gonna happen. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, but these weren't exactly like bustling communities. You know, this was small little farm communities, really. Yeah, I mean, well, same thing where I went to college. It was like a farm community. It was, it's actually up in the uh, Catskills, kind of where like all the old Jewish comedians like and Frank Sinatra and all that used to perform back in the '40s and '50s, like in the summer country uh -huh. clubs. That's where it was. Like, it's a cool little area to and it's, it's right by where the original where woodstock took place uh -huh. oh it's interesting oh yeah we we went to um bethel woods where where uh woodstock took place and we spent a night there having some fun with certain substances but <laughs> you have to relive the memories you know but uh -huh. would have paid to see hendrix perform there but but yeah so basically why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, where they yeah. can find you, just sell yourself basically. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I Southern God, it's on it's on all the podcast platforms. You know, uh, you can get on Apple, Spotify. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. You can get us on there, um, or you can go over. You can visit southerngothicmedia.com. It's our website, uh, and you can listen to some episodes there, and you know, and and uh, find out more. You can also we're on Instagram and Facebook and the whole deal, and um, you'll be doing that. And you said this will we'll be out in March here. So it'll be past, but, uh, this summer we'll be doing a show out at the, uh, haunted, um, uh, haunted America conference out in Alton, Illinois, that Troy Taylor puts on. Um, we'll be doing the show before the convention starts the night before I'll be telling ghost stories with, a, you know, going on uh, that is in my apology. I want to say it was June 22nd, Thursday, June 20th. 22nd we'll be doing that so you can go to ghostconference.net and you can uh, buy tickets to that it'll be a blast yeah sounds good and of course the link to your page will be on the description of this episode as well so people can just click and go awesome. and find find you guys well it's you and your wife if i'm not mistaken right my sister does it with me your sister yeah. okay i see i saw the same last name i didn't want to like i yeah no no i, no, I, we, I, I kind we, of we, assumed we were bred weirdos. Like I said, we both got drugged to the same cemeteries and libraries on the down in New Orleans. So it's a it's a family affair for sure. Oh, that's that's cool though. I wish my brother and me could do a podcast together, but we literally like none of the same stuff. So <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, thank you, Brandon, for coming on. It's been an amazing episode and it's been it's been fun just talking the South. I never get to talk about the South because most of my guests are not from the South. Uh -huh. But I don't know why, but that's just the way it works. I mean, a lot of them are from the west or northeast but but thank you for coming on it's been a great episode and we'll have to talk about getting you my music podcast possibly cool well thanks for having me jerry appreciate it for sure my pleasure and to all my listeners you know you can find me on facebook as paranormal new normal slash maniacal music musings podcast with the s facebook group you can find me on twitter and the gram as that juggalo bastard you can find me on Tiki Taki as that Juggalo Bastard podcast. And you can find me on YouTube just by searching Paranormal and Normal. And I want to thank my listeners. I'll be back in half a week with another episode. And to all my viewers, thank you. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. And that'll do it for tonight.
thank you all for listening and watching. It's been a fun show. And thank you again, Brandon. It's been fun. Thanks, Jeremy.